0: From Tokyo, Japan and New Plymouth, New Zealand. This is Down to Business English with your hosts, Skip Montreux and Samantha Vega.
1: It's cold. Very, very cold. Canadian level cold here in Tokyo, Samantha. Canadian cold?
2: That must be a bit of an exaggeration. It can't be minus 30 in Tokyo.
1: (laughs) You're right. It's not minus 30. But I have been living in Japan for so long that even though temperatures are relatively mild, hovering around 2 or 3 degrees Celsius, I have been freezing the last couple of weeks going outside. It doesn't help that the office I work in and my home are not properly heated. Hang in there, Skip.
2: Only a couple of months, and you will be hitting spring and cherry blossom season.
1: True enough. Thanks for putting an optimistic spin on it. What's your situation? What's going on for you these days?
2: Here in New Zealand, it's beautiful and warm. However, Auckland and further north in New Zealand recently experienced unprecedented rainfall and flooding.
1: Oh, that's not good.
2: And to add to the bad news, at least from my perspective, Jacinda Ardern recently resigned as Prime Minister here in New Zealand.
1: Oh, I did hear about that. She cited burnout from her job?
2: Yes, that was one of the reasons. She dealt with a lot of events under her watch that no previous PM had ever had to deal with. A COVID pandemic? A terrorist attack? An erupting volcano?
1: No wonder she was burnt out.
2: All of which she, in my opinion, governed with compassion and strength.
1: Would you say she was a popular Prime Minister?
2: In a lot of corners she was. But at the same time, she received more online vitriol than any other New Zealand PM in the past.
1: So, some people were happy to see her go.
2: Some people, yes. But I'm not one of them. However, since her resignation, her replacement, Chris Hipkins, or Chippy, as he's known, has managed to bump up the popularity of their political party.
1: Well, that's a good thing.
2: Yeah, we'll find out more. come uh, election time in October. Well, enough on the New Zealand political scene. Enough chit-chat. Let's get into today's topic.
1: You mean you want to get down to business?
2: That's exactly what I mean. I want to get outside today and enjoy the weather.
1: Understood. Do you want to tell our listeners what we will be discussing today?
2: I would love to tell our listeners what we will be talking about. Today on Down to Business English, we are going to revisit and update a topic that we have previously covered, as it's been in the headlines again recently.
1: That's right, and that topic would be? Wind
2: turbines. Back in 2021 in D2B episode 171, Blowing in the Wind, we looked at the history of the wind energy industry and discussed whether it was as environmentally friendly as it claimed to be.
1: That's right. And apparently there have been more and more cases of wind turbines malfunctioning in the last few years. So we are going to talk about what is behind all of that.
2: So let's do it. Let's get D2B down to business with collapsing wind turbines. What is causing turbines to break down? What are manufacturers doing about it? And what impact will this issue have on the renewable energy sector? Back in 2021, in D2B episode 171, Blowing in the Wind, we looked at the history of the wind energy industry and discussed whether it was as environmentally friendly as it claimed to be.
1: And if I remember correctly, we reported on the world's biggest and most powerful wind turbine that was about to be going into operation, GE's Haliad X13.
2: That's right. We also talked about how competition in the market was heating up as more and more companies were starting to manufacture wind turbines and set up wind farms, especially offshore.
1: And this was all being spurred by governments and corporations around the world racing to achieve net zero carbon emissions by 2050.
2: Well, it looks like they are hitting a bump in the road. And what
1: do would this bump be?
2: Bloomberg is reporting that wind turbines have been collapsing across the U.S. and Europe at an alarming rate.
1: Collapsing? Like, completely falling down? That.
2: And if they are not collapsing, their blades are falling off.
1: Wow. And what is causing this? Poor design?
2: Manufacturers are citing a variety of factors, including design flaws, but they are also saying defects in the production process And poor maintenance are issues as well.
1: That is all very concerning.
2: It is. One of the main reasons is the increasing size and complexity of wind turbines. As they have grown taller and have more blades, they have become more vulnerable to structural failures.
1: But my understanding is that these larger and more powerful turbine designs are what is making it possible for wind energy to increase their output and make them a viable alternative to fossil fuels. That is very true, too.
2: But companies like GE, Vestas, and Siemens Gamesa have been rushing to build and install wind turbines in order to meet government renewable energy targets.
1: And, as the old adage goes, speed kills. So how big of a problem is this? What is the rate of turbine failures?
2: We don't know exactly, as there is no publicly available data. But GE Investus have told analysts and investors that the number of machines in the field unable to produce electricity is elevated.
1: If they are telling their investors about it, it must be a concern to them.
2: And Siemens Energy, the parent company of Siemens Gamesa, has lowered its earnings forecast for 2023, citing higher-than-expected costs in repairing wind turbines.
1: Clearly, there is something serious going on.
2: And there is a lot of anecdotal evidence. The Bloomberg story reported about GE turbines, both less than one year old, collapsing in Oklahoma and Colorado last year. In April last year, Orsted the world's largest operator of offshore wind farms, asked Danish authorities to stop maritime traffic near one of its sites due to blades having fallen off.
1: That would certainly cause issues for shipping traffic.
2: A 780-foot-high turbine collapsed in Germany in September 2021, another in Lithuania in March of last year, and again in Sweden last July.
1: Wow, that's a lot of collapsing. And what steps are the manufacturers taking to address this issue?
2: On an earnings call last October, GE CEO Larry Kulp said, Rapid innovation strains manufacturing, and it will take time to stabilize production and quality on these new products.
1: So they are acknowledging that there is an issue, and... They are presumably taking steps to rectify the situation.
2: Apparently. It's clear that the industry as a whole needs to improve the design and materials used in wind turbines.
1: But will they? I mean, if one wind turbine collapses, it just means a small decrease in the output of the wind farm's capacity. Maybe, after a cost-benefit analysis, they will just decide to let some of the turbines fail. I don't think so. Oh, why is that?
2: Pressure from insurance companies. According to Fraser McLaughlin, chief executive officer at G-Cube Underwriting...
1: Sorry, G-Cube Underwriting?
2: They are an insurance company out of London, and they insure approximately $3.5 billion in wind assets in 38 countries.
1: Okay, in other words, they have a lot to say in this matter.
2: They do. And according to Mr. McLaughlin... If the failure rate keeps climbing, insurance premiums could increase and coverage limits could even be imposed.
1: And if coverage limits are imposed, the cost of electricity produced from wind farms would increase probably pretty dramatically.
2: Making it less attractive to investors and users. Yes,
1: this is certainly a bump in the road for wind energy producers and wind turbine manufacturers.
2: But I'm sure they will figure it out. I don't think this is a catastrophe for the renewable energy sector.
1: And on that note... Why don't we get D2B, Down to Vocabulary?
0: Do you find Down to Business English useful in your English studies? Would you like to support the show? Consider becoming a D2B member today. Down to Business English memberships come with three great benefits. First, D2B members receive bonus content in the form of exclusive members only episodes. Second, within moments of a new episode being released, an audio script is automatically emailed to you. There is no need for D2B members to go through the time consuming process of visiting the website, logging into their account, locating an episode, and then downloading the audio script file. And third, D2B members have 100% access to the entire library of audio scripts, all the way from Season 1, Episode 1, right up to the most recently released episode. Interested in becoming a member? Just visit the Down to Business English website and click on the Membership link at the top of the page.
1: I want to start D2V today by talking about the idiomatic expression in a lot of corners. Good choice. It's a common expression. It is. Now, in this expression, the idiomatic nuance of the word corner refers to different places, communities, or groups of people within a larger population. In the introduction of today's episode, Samantha made the comment, that former New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern was popular in a lot of corners.
2: I was simply saying that Jacinda Ardern was popular with people from many places and from many communities, not only in New Zealand, but from around the world.
1: I know she was, is popular with people in Canada. Very true. Can you give us an example using this expression in a business context?
2: Imagine you work in the marketing department of a global company.
1: Okay, I'm a global marketer.
2: Your goal is to come up with a marketing campaign that will generate consumer interest from all corners of the world.
1: Of course. I want people in many places, many regions to learn about the product my company is selling. Exactly. What is our next word?
2: Next on our list is the noun vitriol vitriol is a form of criticism that is abusive in nature. It is speech or writing that is full of hatred or anger towards a particular person, group, or idea.
1: So it is very hurtful language either in speech or in writing.
2: Yes, and in the story I mentioned that even though Jacinda Ardern was popular in many corners, she had received more online vitriol than any other New Zealand Prime Minister.
1: In other words, she received or or got more hateful online comments than any other P.M.
2: Way, way, way more. How would you use vitriol in a business context, Skip?
1: Of course, when I hear the word vitriol, I immediately think of trolls on the internet. You know, those people who will say the most negative things just because they can. I often see online reviews written by dissatisfied customers filled with vitriol.
2: Ah, yes, the keyboard warriors. Maybe they were just very dissatisfied with the product.
1: Fair enough. But they don't need to use such abusive language. If they were complaining in person to someone's face, I don't think they would be as vitriolic. Probably not. Moving on, let's take a look at another idiom a bump in the road. When you say that there is a bump in the road, or that you have hit a bump in the road, you are communicating that something happened that is causing a delay in your progress. But the problem is not so big, and the delay won't be very long. So,
2: a bump in the road is just a small problem you have to deal with before continuing towards
1: your goal. That's right. In the report, Samantha mentioned that governments, on their way to achieving net zero carbon emission targets by 2050, have hit a bump in the road.
2: And I was referring to the issue of collapsing wind turbines as being that bump in the road.
1: So you were communicating that this is just a small problem, or that in the end, it will not stop governments from reaching that target.
2: No, this won't stop them from reaching their net zero targets.
1: Can you give us another example using a bump in the road?
2: Imagine you are reporting your quarterly sales figure to a group of investors in your company, and the sales numbers you are giving them are not very positive. You could say something like, despite the poor sales results this past quarter, we are confident that it is just a bump in the road and sales will recover by the end of the year.
1: (laughs) A nice example. I hope the investors go along with that excuse.
2: They are probably used to hearing things like that. Shall we move on?
1: Yes. What's next on the list?
2: Let's talk about the adjective to be alarming. When you describe something as alarming, you are saying that it is causing a lot of worry or concern or It is even dangerous.
1: This adjective always makes me think of my alarm clock waking me up in the morning. When it goes off, my very first thought is that I have overslept for a class or a meeting, and I jump out of bed in a panic.
2: That's interesting. Something that is alarming could be a warning like that. Or it could be a piece of information that you should be aware of or wake up too. So how was
1: alarming used in our conversation?
2: I reported that the wind turbines across the US and Europe have been collapsing at an alarming rate.
1: Right. You were saying that the rate of collapsing wind turbines was causing concern or worry in the industry, and people in the industry should wake up to that issue. Exactly. Can you give us some other examples?
2: I am alarmed at how quickly artificial intelligence is being adopted around the world.
1: Yes, that is quite alarming.
2: I also find it alarming how many different types of jobs are at risk of being automated or replaced by AI. Data entry, customer service, assembly line jobs, financial analyst jobs, and the list goes on and on.
1: That too is certainly alarming. But Samantha, keep in mind that even though AI might eliminate the need for some types of jobs, it may also lead to creating other kinds of jobs we don't even know about yet. So you were saying I shouldn't be alarmed? A little alarm may be called for, but you don't want to overreact either. Listen to you, the calm voice of reason. I wouldn't go that far. Moving on. Our next and final word on D2V today is another adjective, to be elevated. When something is elevated, it is higher than it normally should be. Just like
2: how an elevator carries people up from the ground floor of a building to a higher floor.
1: That is a very good mental image that can help to remember the meaning. In the story, Samantha mentioned that both General Electric and Vestas have reported to their investors that the number of wind turbines not producing electricity is elevated. In other words, that number is higher than it usually is or should be.
2: We should point out that elevated is often used to communicate something is abnormal. That it is higher in an undesirable or unwanted way.
1: My heart rate is elevated every time I ride on an overcrowded train here in Tokyo. Try taking deep breaths, Skip. That might work. Can you give us an example of using elevated in a business context, Samantha? I can, as a matter of fact.
2: I use an SAAS product at work to
1: do my job. SAS, a software as a service product. What is it called?
2: The name isn't important. What is important is that the developer recently updated the software. But the update has many, many bugs.
1: Oh, I hate it when that happens.
2: So I opened a customer support ticket on the developer's website and waited for a response. And waited, and waited, and waited some more.
1: Oh dear, how long did you have to wait? A full three days. Three days? That's forever! What did they say to you eventually?
2: They apologized for the delay. They said that since the release of their software update, they had received an elevated number of support requests, and they would get to my issue as soon
1: as possible. So, your software is still buggy. Still buggy. (laughs) Hearing this story is elevating my heartbeat.
2: Breathe, Skip.
0: Breathe. like to support down to business english help d2b reach more people wanting to improve their business english skills be sure to subscribe to down to business english on apple podcasts or any place podcasts are found while you are there why don't you leave a rating and a review down to business english business news to improve your business english
2: So, did you take some deep breaths?
1: Yes, I did, Samantha. My heart rate is back to normal. That's good. Thank you for that report on collapsing wind turbines. I hope you are right and this is just a bump in the road for the wind energy industry.
2: As I mentioned, I'm sure the manufacturers will solve the problem. It sounds very much like a quality control issue.
1: It does, doesn't it? But I'm sure people in some corners will use this as evidence as to why wind energy is not a viable alternative to fossil fuels.
2: It's already happening. I just hope the vitriol will be kept to a minimum. I'm all for people having different opinions, but there's no need to be rude about expressing them.
1: I fully agree. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. Take care.
0: Have a comment or question about today's show? Don't be shy. Visit the D2B website or Facebook page and post any comments or questions there. Skip, Des or Samantha will be sure to leave a reply. Down to Business English. Business news to improve your business English.